Welcome to another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home Podcast. I'm Reggie Rizzo, joined by Marcus Path. Coming up on today's episode, one side dish that really hits home, plus a sunken ship that continues to churn out treasure, and this day in history, an all-time TV classic. Well, X marks the spot. As kids, I think many of us dreamt of finding a treasure map and following it to riches, a la the Goonies. Most of us will still probably never have that opportunity, but this story offers at least a glimmer of hope. The Maravillas was a two-deck Spanish galleon. That's a type of ship that you're probably accustomed to seeing in movies like, oh, I don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean. And it was armed with 36 bronze cannons. It was also one of the richest treasure ships ever to sink when it was downed in the northern Bahamas more than 350 years ago. In 1654, the ship was serving as the vice flagship of the mainland fleet when it collided with its fleet flagship before hitting a reef 30 minutes later and sinking. The Maravillas was heading back to Seville, Spain from Cuba, carrying both its own consignment of silver as well as silver salvaged from the wreck of the Jesus Maria de la Limpia Concepcion, which sank off the coast of Ecuador in October of that same year. Hopefully, I did the name some level of justice there. Since that time, the Maravillas has been salvaged, quote-unquote, multiple times over, meaning teams have explored the wreckage and brought up everything they could. And we thought that was the end of the story. Until now. I've always wanted to say that. After four (laughs) years of underwater archaeology, Allen Exploration has mapped a sprawling trail of previously missed treasure running for over five kilometers or approximately three miles on the ocean floor. Per a recent GNN report, prior to this most recent discovery, the ship had been fished for relics on at least 21 occasions, being heavily stripped by Spanish salvers and then English and American crews. Then between 1972 and 1991, modern salvage teams rediscovered the wreck and lifted an alleged 30 tons of gold bars and coins, silver nuggets, jewelry, emeralds, iron anchors, and cannons from the floor. Says Carl Allen, the founder of Allen X, probably guessed that, quote, Many experts believe the story of the Maravillas is over. That past salvage picked the old ship dry. Now we've proven the wreck is not all vanished, end quote. Allen X was licensed by the government of the Bahamas and has been working on this project since 2019. Since that time, they've discovered a trail of artifacts running southeast, including silver bars, emeralds, amethysts, and gold jewelry. What weren't they carrying on this ship, by the way? The find also includes 800 128 lead musket balls, 10,988 olive jars, that's wildly specific, and almost 3,000 silver coins. All of the finds carefully mapped after the fact. The mapping is important because it provides critical clues into what happened to the ship following the sinking and how its treasures came to be dispersed the way they are. Says Don Porter, the project's offshore manager who oversaw the mapping, quote, You might think that it was centuries of hurricanes and storms that broke up the Maravillas, but the archaeology has forced us to rethink that theory. If the galleon was broken up by hurricane after hurricane, the remains would be scattered around all four points of the compass. That's not the reality. 
they're mostly focused in one artifact scatter trail running southeast, end quote. GNN notes at least 142 hurricanes and storms have struck the Bahamas since 1500, which was, of course, a few years prior to the ship actually sinking. Jim Sinclair, the project's chief archaeologist, was surprised that the finds included unique gold chains and jewels inlaid with precious gems, the personal property, that is, in all likelihood at least, of wealthy passengers and officers. Quote, you could be sure that if these valuable items were still sitting on the main wreck when the Maravius was salvaged in 1656, they'd have been brought up too. This can only mean that the treasures found by Alan X were scattered during the five months before the Spanish salvage operations began in June of 1656, end quote. Now, per GNN, the western Little Bahama Bank lies within the trade wind belt. In the winter, winds with an average velocity of 30 to 40 miles per hour blow in from the northwest and northeast. Alan X believes that two to three storm fronts like these created the main part of the Maravillas scatter trail between January and June of 1656. The most common class of finds lost down the Maravillas scatter trail come from the Stern Castle, where the passengers and crew's belongings were kept, from the fancy Chinese and Mexican bowls and dishes for dining, to swords, navigational dividers, and gold jewelry. Again, continuing from GNN, Carl Allen explained that historical accounts showed that the three stern cabins collapsed into the ocean, quote, the quarterdeck and stern castle floated away, never to be seen again. End quote. And of course, in 1992, the government of the Bahamas enacted a moratorium on the issuance of licenses for shipwreck salvage, and the seas stayed closed until 2019. You guessed it, when Carl Allen was awarded a new license to conduct scientific and archaeological exploration. Allen X now submits monthly written reports to the country presenting maps of finds, lists of discoveries, and research. So, Reggie, I don't have any plans to fly out to the Bahamas and search for treasure. Certainly, I'd love to take a little vacation out there, but I mean, I'll, I'll admit it, this at least gives me pause. I, I, I'd certainly find it pretty cool if I could take a little scuba trip out there and perhaps come home with a uh, whatever a 350 year old gold chain of some sort you know all that treasure sounds nice but as you've been reading the story i've been trying to figure out who the captain of that ship is he must have been someone's nephew because he hit the flagship and then sank 30 minutes later <laughs> in a reef i mean that screams of nepotism right <laughs> he, he, he was not licensed at all he, <laughs> oh man yeah that was one of the more deadly mistakes made <laughs> just no. put just put nephew john in charge here yeah. it's an easy ship no one will take it it's a, not a problem <laughs> it's only the vice flagship it's not the flagship oh man. i just as you read that was the first thing that hit my mind is like he hit the flagship how <laughs> i hope it was really bad weather or something there's got to be some excuse for this picturing someone in the crow's nest hey <laughs> look out we're, we're coming in hot i mean uh, it's not like a motorized ship either i mean you not have wind speed here yes <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, it didn't turn out, uh, unfortunately, uh, too well for the folks that were aboard. But yeah, uh, 350 years have gone by, so we'll have a little fun with that. In a world where everyone seems to need a gimmick for their business, a video has surfaced of customers getting slapped in a restaurant and paying for it. Wait, 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 w
Yes, slapped right across As the face. As in like the what did the five fingers say to the face? Slapped. Correct. Yes, slapped. Uh, and uh, paying uh, for it. Oh, uh, a restaurant right. I in make sure I heard that properly. A restaurant in Nugoyo, Japan named named Sachi Hokoya, which by the way, Sachi Hoko is a Japanese folklore monster with the head of a dragon and body of a carp covered in black or gray scales. I'm still trying to of figure course. out how that looks in my head. Anyways, People are willingly paying to get slapped in their face before getting their meals. Not after, of course. You got to do it before. The restaurant charges 300 yen, which is roughly two U.S. dollars, to have a waitress dressed in a kimono come over and slap your face, you know, open hand, slap to the face, palm to face, over and over again. If they want a specific member of the staff to slap them, it was 500 yen. So, you know, an extra dollar fifty about. <laughs> First of all. The the request is ridiculous enough, but then the pricing is. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, hey, yeah. You I mean, slap to the face. That'll be two bucks, and not just a single slap, like multiple slaps. <laughs> but if you want to get specific, I'm afraid we're going to have to charge you three. Yeah, I, I want her over there. Sla slap me. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets a little more. Yeah, just an extra dollar fifty for that. Both men and women took advantage of this service, and it was very popular among tourists. The slap was on the menu listed as Nugoyo Lady Slap. Reggie, you, you say that they took advantage of this service. Uh, what? I mean, well, they, what, they purchased what is it. the they, service? They it. The, the service of being slapped. I mean, well, the YouTube narration on the Save Your Money in Japan channel claims the harder the female staff slapped them, the more excited the patrons became. And not only were the patrons not angry, but they appeared to feel more relaxed after getting hit. They would even thank the staff member who smacked them. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Now, the service started in 2012 and it revived the restaurant. At the beginning, only one staff member was willing to do the slapping. However... <laughs> As demand grew, they hired several girls to slap the customers. Well, can you see the, the job posting? Yeah. <laughs> Looking for female to slap customers. Re requirements. Uh, high school diploma. I, I mean, Kimono. Uh, no, that, that, proficient in Word and Excel. Uh, and actually, hands, I guess. There, there, yes. There's your other, other yes. requirement. <laughs> By the way, what are you browsing the Save Your Money in Japan channel on YouTube for? How did you stumble upon this? Uh, random web searches led me to the story because, well, the reason why this came up is this is actually an older video, but it just resurfaced. So if you're looking to head to Japan to get slapped, you're going to have to do it the old fashioned way, you know, like offending somebody because they have now discontinued the surface. But a few days ago, because of the resurfacing of this video, the restaurant, this is where it came up. The restaurant posted on Twitter or X asking people not to come by looking for a slap. Quote, Sachi Hokoya currently does not offer slaps. We appreciate the attention it has received today but we cannot accommodate visits with the intention of receiving slaps. We did not expect old videos to go viral like this. So please understand before coming End quote. So Marcus, you're telling me you wouldn't go and pay to get slapped. Well, I also love that they now have to put out a message or a press release that says, I'm sorry, but we're unable to accommodate your, your <laughs> slapping needs. What happened? I, I don't know what the legal system looks like over there, but did somebody get irritated and sue them or uh, what? 
that was my first thought is they probably have to be getting a little worried about some type of lawsuit or something. I, I don't really know Japanese law that well. Uh, so I'm I'm unfamiliar with it. You don't, huh? yeah. It wasn't save your money in Japan channel. They didn't talk <laughs> no. to you about that. Okay, nope. I did not go to Japanese law school. Um, so I, I I'm a little behind on this. Learning a lot about you here tonight, Rich. <laughs> yeah, things you probably should have assumed. But, <laughs> you know, I do have to say one thing though: getting slapped and expecting it is different than the unexpected slap. I'm not saying I want to get slapped, but I, I don't think it would hurt as much if you're expecting it and like, what is your point? ready for it. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's better than the random slap or someone just come up and if someone were just to come up and slap you across the face. I think that would hurt a little bit more. I'm not again, I'm not saying I'd pay for it. I feel like are you just letting me talk here as I dig myself into a hole. So I mean, I'm just I, I was waiting for you to cut to the chase here about about uh expectant slap versus unexpected slap but yeah i I, I mean i don't know that i want either one and i don't want to shell out two bucks for it (laughs) if i'm getting slapped i'm shelling out more than two bucks is that what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) oh no no comment next story Taking a look at this day in history, in 1964, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer aired on TV for the first time. So IMDb described this movie as, A young reindeer Rudolph lives in the North Pole. His father is one of Santa's reindeer and is expected that Rudolph will eventually be one too. However, he has a feature which is a setback and causes him to be ostracized. His red nose. <laughs> Dramatic that's, enough? I don't know. Very well read. Yeah. A feature, which is a setback. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I never really understood the genetics uh, behind this. How did Rudolph end up with his red nose that was a light bulb, whereas no one else had that prior to him? But hey, I'm getting a little too deep now. Well, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, has aired every year since 1964, making it the longest running Christmas TV special in the U.S. When released, critics loved the show, praising the voice acting, soundtrack, animation style, characters, and sets. Recently, though, some critics have been questioning the movie, especially around the themes of bullying, outcast, and leadership roles. Um, You know, think of the the teacher criticizing Rudolph instead of, you know, supporting him and uh, now, the dolls of Rudolph and Santa, they cost $5,000 to make, but having no idea the success the film would have, most of the stop-motion puppets used in production were not preserved. Nine of the puppets were given to a secretary who passed them on to family members. They were naturally damaged over time because why would she even think twice about it, I guess? You know, hand them to the kids. Kids are going to play with them. Mm-hmm. They get damaged. Two of the puppets were on Antiques Roadshow in 2005. They were valued to be worth eight dollars to $10,000. Toy aficionado Kevin Kreiss bought them in 2005 and had them restored and then sold them in auction in 2020 for $368,000. Ooh. A month later, they were donated to the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta. However, this year, it was discovered that the puppets were actually publicity copies used in Japan where the stop motion part of the movie was made. They were used for photography purposes, not for used in making the movie. Uh, mm, mm. So yeah. this guy conned someone out of $368,000, you're saying? I don't know if he actually conned the, them or if he knew. It didn't really. I didn't really see any clarification on if he knew. I mean, he could have believed it, too. You never know. Well, I thought that he bought the two puppets uh, uh, from Antique Roadshow, and they he didn't did. look so hot, and then he allegedly restored them. So it sounds to me like he was peddling 
a different toy than the one that he bought from Antique Roadshow. Well, the ones in Antique Roadshow weren't in the best condition. So he bought those, then restored them to where the condition of, you know, looking nice. And then that's when he sold them after they've been reconditioned. Okay, um, but then you're saying that those were actually publicity copies. So the publicity copies were believed to have been in rough shape. Yeah. And that's and that's what he had restored. Okay. Correct. All right. Yeah. All right. Following along now. Following along. Gotcha. As for the show, Burl Ives, the person who voiced the narrator, Sam, the snowman, is the only cast member to receive residuals from the movie. Everyone else was paid $1,000 over the first three years after the release of the special. If you punch that into an inflation calculator, that's about $10,000 today. So not a lot of money to get voiced for that movie. In 2000, Billy Mae Richards, who voiced Rudolph, said her compensation was a sore subject, but she had no complaints about the work itself. Quote, I feel so lucky to have something that has made such an impact on people, and it's because of the story first and foremost, end quote. Uh, she did end up dying in 2010, but, you know, the special still lives on. You still hear her voice every year when that special comes on. I mean, wh what do you think of the special, Marcus? Yeah, this is one of my all-time favorites growing up, and I don't think, obviously, I'm not alone in that. I think it was Rudolph and then the Frosty the Snowman cartoon that I watched every single year because they were always on TV. In fact, I don't maybe I even had the VHS. I don't know. At some point, maybe we did have a copy of that, but it was readily available. And of course, at that time, you know, that's what you were, were relying on is the, one of the big networks to show all the holiday specials uh, in the lead up to the holiday season. My mom has the VHS copies of them still, and my kids watch them when they go to grandma's house for Christmas. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I think it's one of those stories that, that stands the test of time. And of course, who could forget Yukon Cornelius and his yes. quest for gold silver and silver? And gold. <laughs> he would he would love that pirate ship. Or not that he pirate. absolutely <laughs> would. Yeah, he'd be I, out I there should. with his pickaxe. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say pirate ship. It was, it was a merchant vessel, I believe. But whatever, he would be out there searching for that gold. And, you know, I bet you he could hold his breath the whole time because he was impressive. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> He was, but he was also a little all over the place. So he might have been the one steering he that was. vice flagship ship <laughs> right on into the flagship, causing the wreck. Oh, it was all planned so he could steal the silver and gold. <laughs> Just ride an iceberg out there to steal it. <laughs> In the Bahamas. <laughs> Naturally, I mean. <laughs> That'll do it for another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. He's Reggie Rizzo. I'm Marcus Paff. As always, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, concerns, things you like, things you didn't like, things you'd like to hear more of. Coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. Coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. Until our next episode, which comes up, you guessed it, tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Music.